Once again, Brazil has made into international headlines, and once again, it was not for positive reasons. On January 25, an iron staling dam near the town of Brumadinho in the southeastern state of Minas Gerais spilled the equivalent of at least 1,200 Olympic-sized pools of mud onto the surrounding region. The incident has already claimed dozens of lives, and hundreds more are reported missing. Rescue brigades continue searching for survivors. But the more time passes, the less likely it gets to find people who are still alive. The catastrophe has provoked sadness, outrage, and compassion among Brazilians. Se o meu marido não tem não tem valor para vocês, tem para mim. Ele é meu esposo, pai da minha filha, filho da minha sogra. But above all, it has left a slew of unanswered questions. How did this happen? Who is to blame? What will be the lasting environmental consequences? And most importantly, how can we prevent this from happening again? On this week's show, we take a deeper look at the Brumadinho Dam collapse. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. By the time this podcast is being recorded on January 29 afternoon, 65 people have been confirmed dead and 279 others are reported missing. This disaster has outraged millions, partially because Brazil cannot escape a certain deja vu about the whole thing. On November 5th, 2015, Brazil witnessed another major dam collapsed. It happened just a few kilometers away from Brumadinho, in the city of Mariana, the equivalent of 25,000 Olympic swimming pools of toxic sludge was spilled after the burst of an iron ore dam. 19 people were killed and entire towns were erased from the map. What do the two incidents have in common besides their location? The company behind the operation, mining giant Vale. I'm joined today by Ewan Marshall, who has been covering the disaster for the Brazilian report. Hi, Ewan. Hi, Gustavo. Two times in less than three years. So, what's up with Vale? Well, that really is the question on everybody's lips because, of course, we had just over three years since one of the biggest environmental disasters Brazil has ever seen. And so people have to ask questions about the, the ability of the, of the workers there, of their engineers. And after Mariana, they obviously they changed their leadership. A lot of things changed in the company. And their new slogan, their new uh, their new mission statement was uh, Mariana Nunca Mais, like Mariana Never Again, like this will never happen again. And they did a good job on the financial side of things. It became a very, uh, a very profitable company once again. But obviously they seem to have neglected their safety issues, their safety protocols. There was a police operation on January 29, that arrested five people, two engineers who attested that the dam that collapsed was safe, and three Valley employees responsible for getting environmental permits. Are these guys being scapegoated? I think there's a good argument to say that, yes, they are being, they are being made an example of here, and, but perhaps we are not going to the real root of the problem because... You do find this quite a lot in Brazil and in a lot of different parts of a lot of different sections of Brazilian life is that you you punish the corrupted and not the corruptor. Like who is actually 
who is actually behind this, who is actually uh, pressuring these people to get these licenses. But on the other hand, the the judge who authorized the res- the arrests confirmed that really these these licenses, these reports that were given, they could not be true because for a dam like that to collapse just overnight there would have to be some sort of underlying safety issues which we haven't got to the bottom of yet it's a fair point but my question is what about the board members why just the engineers i mean i'm not saying they shouldn't be prosecuted probably they should but they shouldn't be the only ones so almost right away after the Brumaginho collapse the public went straight after Valley and its uh, board of directors, they they ended up making a few unfortunate statements to the press. I think their their current CEO Fabio Schwarzman said that he didn't know who was responsible for the incident, which you can kind of see what he means, but it's a terrible, terrible choice of words at that point in time. And of course, the attorney of Valley saying that Valley is not responsible and the the board of directors will not step down. But we have seen some parts of the um, of, of Brazilian officials, as in the Prosecutor General, Raquel Dodge, she's suggesting that the board members could be criminally prosecuted. And investors, where the people are obviously very unhappy at the, the their investments losing money and becoming much less valuable in the space of a couple of days. Just on Monday, January 28th, Vale stock crashed by 24%. Yeah, so you can imagine how sore these people are feeling. And at least two class actions from these investors have been filed and we're expecting a few more to come. What do those guys claim? They're claiming that Valley was negligent, which made their investment worth less after this disaster that we've seen. And the fact that Valley stocks, as you mentioned, crashed 24% in one day, which is a record on the Sao Paulo Stock Exchange. It's a fair point, but... Their loss not even begins to compare with like the family members of uh, people working at Valley because there was like a cafeteria just below the dam and apparently it was filled with employees. Most of them probably were killed after the the collapse. Yeah, the, the latest reports are the cafeteria was not just buried by mud, but it was actually taken all the way down the river. And only now they've been able to actually get to the cafeteria and we're expecting probably today a big increase in the death toll because they've arrived and they're trying to find all the bodies that are there. You know, it's a really, really horrible situation. I'm sure Valley will strike a deal and uh, will pay some compensation to international investors. Have they been doing anything for the family members of people who were killed? Well, so they've they've come out with a pledge to pay every family that was affected a uh, hundred thousand Brazilian reais, which which does, is like twenty five thousand dollars more or less. Exactly, it that does just seem like a way so that they can argue later when they when they go to court, they can argue for leniency to say that oh well we you know we did we did do our part, we paid them a bit, and you know it's. It's, it's, it's not enough. Um, they really need to provide some answers. Right now, January 29th, so the second trading session after the, the collapse, Valley stock is actually going up right now by 2%, which means its value is more related to iron ore prices internationally than 
whatever happens in terms of tragedy, environmental disasters. Well, yeah, I think from from the outside looking in, you see that this company has already been involved in a, a, a catastrophic situation and has bounced back very quickly. So in this in the cold world of, of, of investing and, and, and trading stocks, these types of disasters don't matter as much. It's more about business as usual. And Valley is still Brazil's biggest mining company, even though it has lost an incredible amount of its market value. One of Valley's main shareholders is the Brazilian government. And, uh, well, the response by the Jair Bolsonaro's administration has been rather quick. Just a quick reminder, in 2015, uh, Dilma Rousseff took a whole week before going to Mariana to assess the, the damage caused by the dam collapse at the time. Well, Jair Bolsonaro went right away. He and cabinet members spoke harshly about Vali. So uh, God knows we criticize a lot this administration. But uh, truth be told, it was a quick response that not always we see in Brazil. Uh, has the government done anything else besides being critical of, of the company? Well, yeah, there was an idea that well, the acting president at the moment, while Jair Bolsonaro recovers from his surgery, the acting president, Hamilton Moreau, he suggested that they were looking into the possibility of perhaps even removing or ousting members of Valley's board. But it doesn't really work like that. The government, even though it's one of the important shareholders, its role is as a holder of a golden share, which is essentially that it can make certain decisions, certain important decisions, like if there was a merger, if it was sold, something like that. It can change the name of the company. It can change the, its branding, a lot of strategic decisions, but changing the board. Yeah, changing the board is a bit harder than that. But, I mean, if they really wanted to do that, this government... It, could possibly try to put some pressure on some of the people who are shareholders, some of the people on the board. Who are connected to the federal government through publicly owned pension funds that own shares at Valley, right? Yeah. Valley right now, like, they have 12 board seats. Three are empty, so they have to convince five people. It's much easier than convincing seven. <laughs> yeah, and as we see, it's all connected. So it would be very interesting to see how that's gonna how that's gonna play out in the next month. And the government has also called for a complete reinspection of dams in Brazil, right? It had to come up with something. I think some sort of easy to say proposal. That I mean, the thing is, the the, the inspection of Brazilian dams is at such a pitiful level at the moment that any increase. Would you know any increase is welcome, but I think for them to, to because I mean to put this into context, the some of Brazil's Brazil has a, a, approximately twenty four thousand dams in the country, and in the last couple of years, only three percent of them were actually inspected. Five hundred of them, the government doesn't even know who owns the dam. Yeah, yeah, that's it's incredible, and I mean, so many of the others are just they don't have any licenses at all. So this idea that they're suddenly just going to click their fingers and all of the dams are going to be inspected in Brazil, I'd like to see them try. That would be I positive. would sincerely <laughs> like to see them try. And like we said, this is by no means Valley's first rodeo. Uh, three years ago, the company had the same experience. 
And like you said, every time authorities come, they have strong words to assess the situation. They promise harsh punishment. Vali was part owner of the dam that collapsed in Mariana in 2015. Three years later, what has been done about that? Yeah, so that this is kind of why we don't, we can't really put so much faith in what is being said by the government right now. Just one, just a few days after the after the disaster, because after Mariana, there are still families who haven't received the compensation that they are due, and there are still the the lawsuit against Valley for various crimes, including uh, including manslaughter and, and and bodily harm. That has not actually gone to trial. I think the case has been case has been suspended and hasn't gone to trial yet. And that's three and you know, three years and maybe a month or so afterwards. And you know, so why should we then put our faith in what is being said about Valley now? And something else has happened. You know, we we need to see these kind of results. No, and the most frustrating thing is that the Minas Gerais State Congress struck down a bill that would harden environmental controls and. A relevant data is that 70% of these lawmakers were financed by mining companies in 2014 when company donations were still allowed. So you tell me if it's a coincidence or not. Well, yeah, and we, we only need to look at the the discourse of our new president, Jair Bolsonaro, who he's, he's been very adamant throughout, throughout the campaign and now that he's been elected that the mining industry in Brazil is one of his top priorities to expand the mining industry in Brazil, to make it easier for the mining industry in Brazil so that you can attract more investment. And so this particular disaster, not only from a political point of view, this is one of the worst things that could happen because it directly affects the, the, the mining industry. And now he's going to have to temper his previous discourse about essentially just expanding mining at all costs. Next, what will be the environmental consequences of this dam collapse? Have a flight to catch, or maybe you missed your flight because of traffic? Experience the best way to get to and from the airport with Voom. Voom is an on-demand helicopter booking platform that allows its passengers to rise above it all. It is possible to fly between nine different helipads in the city from Monday to Saturday for less than 500 reais. Uplift your commute, uplift your life. Download the Voom app free on the App Store. V-O-O-M. Voom is an Airbus company. Edgar de Oliveira Rosa, you are a coordinator at the Worldwide Fund for Nature. Can you tell us why this time... If the dam was so much smaller than in 2015 in Mariana, the human loss was so much bigger. I recall in Mariana, 19 people died, and so far right now, 65 people were confirmed dead in Brumadinho. What happened in, in, in Brumadinho at the Feijão mining is that like below the level of the reservoir that uh, that was uh, that was damaged you did have a lot of uh, administratives and even a restaurant of the mining company and and the tragedy happened just around noon 
So like you had a lot of people in the administrative area, a lot of people in the restaurants, and that's what explained the level of the strategy in terms of uh, missing people, in terms of damage, the direct damage to these people and also to, to the community where uh, the mining company is operating. Hi, Edgar. It's Ewan uh, working here with Gustavo. Uh, the, we've heard reports recently that the mud from the collapse might even reach the San Francisco River which is a really, really long way away. Could you speak a bit more on that? Could you confirm if that is the case? Yeah, that's one of the concerns that we have because the the Fijian River is a tributary to Parauapeba River, and the Parauapeba River is a tributary to to the San Francisco River, what is a river in Brazil that is very, very important in terms of uh, getting water to to a region in Brazil that is is very dry. So in terms of agricultural production and also for people living in those areas. The San Francisco River is, is very important. What we are expecting is that you have some hydro, hydropower dams in the in the way, that this could uh, be a way of like kind of a stop the mood from getting to the San Francisco River. It will depend uh, how the, the state government will act in terms of the companies that are uh, responsible for this dam. We act in terms of uh, managing the water quantity and the flows. Uh, but depending on how this is managed, we can get more or less moved into the San Francisco River for the next months. And that can have uh, an impact in terms of uh, water quality, in terms of biodiversity, and also in terms of uh, as, uh, ac- water access for people that uh, relies on the water of the Paraupebas and, and San Francisco. We were talking earlier about the about the rescue operations at the moment and the fact that it is unfortunately it's quite unlikely that we're going to find many other survivors and some of the rescue operations recently have now been focused on quite a few animals which we've seen kind of stuck in the mud and in the surrounding area what will be the impact on these kind of communities on these habitats and ecosystems around Brumaginho and in that river. I mean, how, how far will this spread? We are talking about uh, the Feijão River uh, actually getting dead in terms of biodiversity, in terms of life. No, there is no life that can survive this amount of mud into the river. So we do have a direct impact in the river, and we do have an indirect impact on the biodiversity that relies on that rivers as birds, as, uh, as small animals that are uh, use that river in somehow. There was a lot of uh, domestic animals. So have cows, horses that got stuck in that, that deer. Uh, for some cases, they, there is represents uh, also an economical and an impact to the livelihood of those people that relies on those animals for production, for milking, or for things like that. And we are talking about 128 hectares of natural vegetation. It was completely damaging the, along the way. What can we do now to recover that area? And um, I know it's still too early to, to, to know, but uh, have you have any kind of estimative about how much and uh, how long will it take to recover that area that has had two major incidents in just three years? It takes years to, 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 to recover the area, and you still don't recover uh, it entirely. You're going to recover or you're going to rebuild a different environment from what was there before. 
that you're going to be recovering part of the functions, so the ecological functions, and also part of the, the environment. There is also a chance to rethink some of the structures, rethink some of the of the uses of the region in order to 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 improve it. Specifically in the case of Brumadinho, the key element now is to deal with the, the, the lives that were lost and also to the communities that were affected by the disaster. So these are the first thing that needs to be done is like, how can we create some more comfort to these people that were so highly affected by this case? And then this, like, how to recover the, the environmental that was lost, that was damaged is a second phase. And it will require a lot of investment and also a lot of, uh, a lot of energy. What kind of policy do we need to kind of create in the Brazilian political sphere to to stop these things happening from the future and also to protect these areas which are full of mining operations, which, you know, we, we've seen just two massive disasters within three years. The same situation as these reservoirs. We have many others in Minas Gerais and other places in Brazil. So we do have a risk that this kind of situation can repeat again. So to intensify the, the implementation, especially of the inspecting element of the, the law, how can we make sure that these, uh, uh, that these other reservoirs are in a good position? Because other elements that we had from this case in, Brum- in Brumadinho is that the, the, there was inspection, that there was some control, but, uh, but by the end, uh, it, it, it was not effective. So how can we make this process more effective? And the other element is related because this is an old style uh, mining and reservoir and it's uh, not the safest one. So we do now have much better technology in terms of uh, how to deal with the mining tailing, how, how can we, we deal with the residents of the mining process. And this is something that we need to discuss, like how can we implement this and what do you do if this reservoirs that are still managed based on the old technology because this reservoir in Brumadinho was not used, I think, since 2015. So it was out of uh, out of operation already, but it is there. It provides a risk for a community. Edgar, thank you very much for your time and I hope we don't have to have you back to talk about this kind of events. Yeah, me too. If you like this podcast, please rate us on whatever platform you use for listening to podcasts. It helps us a lot. And take a look at our website. It's brazilian.report. Every day we have new content about Brazilian politics, finance, and society. We've also got exclusive newsletter services if you want to be briefed on what's going on in Brazil before starting your day. Subscribe now to our free trial and enjoy all of our content for seven days. And it's really free you don't have to submit any credit card information whatsoever. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at Brazilian Report. That's all for now. See you next week.